Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Lead Ministry Live and the Lead Volunteers Podcast. My name is Josh Denhart, super grateful that you're here. Uh, we exist to help you, the ministry leader, to do three simple things. Number one, get organized. I think the the majority of ministry leaders could, could use an extra dose of organizational leadership in their lives, and I can help you with that. Number two, we help stop the revolving door of volunteers. Uh, we want to help you keep the good ones that God has given you. And finally, if you do those things, if you're organized, if you're if you're finding ways to stop uh, volunteer exit out the back door, you're going to number three prevent ministry burnout. So those are the main things. Those are the things that I try to help you do. And so one of the ways we do that is the Lead Volunteers podcast, as well as Lead Volunteers Live and Lead Ministry Live. So we have a special guest today, Mr. Josh. Could you introduce yourself to us, my friend? Yeah, you bet. It's great to be with you. Double the Josh today. That's yes. great. Um, yes. Yeah, so I uh, um, married to Jen, have five kids, six years old, up to 15, three boys, two girls, keeps us busy. Uh, we're in the heart of it with uh, with the rest and uh, been a pastor for about 20 years, children, oh, wow. youth, family ministry. Uh, stepped out of that about uh, four years ago and um end up now doing a lot of writing and speaking in the uh, children, youth, family ministry world and uh, some church consulting in that arena and also on the uh, board of Awana. So we get oh, to- Oh, you are. Uh, wow. Uh, I didn't know that. Myself. Yep. Yep. So I live out of Minnesota and we're prepping for some snow this weekend. <laughs> we'll see if it comes. Oh, that's great. Well, you know, having been a pastor for, you know, two decades- and in the children, in family, in kind of space, you know, what an appropriate topic. Today, you're going to help us. You're going to talk about five places to find volunteers. And again, some of these are going to be things that people are going to be like, okay, check, good reminder. Uh, some of these things, however, are going to be things that are going to spur on new thinking and cause somebody to say, hey, wow, hadn't thought about it that way. You're going to share it to us in a fresh way. Josh, thank you so, so, so much for being here. We'll get to you have a brand new book out as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, 50 things every child needs to know before they leave home. Um, super helpful, giving parents an uh, int intentional plan that they can kind of customize for themselves. And uh, yeah, I would love to talk about that a little bit uh, later. Yeah, yeah. We'll jump to the book after just a little bit. But right now, as we're going to talk about uh, five places that you can find volunteers, why don't you help us out and take us take us away with the first one? It says the first one is an army of parents and grandparents. Talk to us about that. So obviously as parents uh, or potentially as grandparents, there's no one else that loves uh, our children more and we can leverage that. And with, you know, I, when I started in ministry, I was, I was 22 as, as a pastor. I didn't have any kids. Uh, so you don't know what you don't know. Isn't and, that the truth? Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. How, how, when you started as a pastor, Josh, same for you? Kind of yeah, early. I had yeah. very, I had, I think, two tiny kids. And so I, but I mean, I was serving in all kinds of capacities, but the funny thing is I was serving in youth ministry for a long, long, long time as a volunteer. And the funny thing is, is that like, until you have your own kids, you really don't know what it's like to be a parent and what it's like to serve parents. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, one of the things I learned as a parent um, when I became a parent is the trust factor between the parent and the church is huge. It is huge, huge, huge. So 
not only the safety of our children, um, but do I, you know, do I buy into what's happening in uh, the children, youth, family ministry world? And yes. if I do, uh, then I am really excited, much more so to to get engaged and. Uh, and so that trust factor there uh, in developing that with uh, with families is huge. So for us, one of the first things um, that we did was begin to communicate as much as we could on a regular basis with our homes just to say, here's what we're doing. Here's what we're teaching. Here's what kids are going to hear. And we'd love for you to be a part of it and yes. uh, just provide those regular opportunities and um, and parents would get excited about that um, and, and often join in. Well, you know, um, I, I would say yeah, a, a fun thing about parents is there is there was always a subset of parents that desired to move sequentially with their kids. And then, of course, they would move right on to junior high or right on to high school. That's fine. But there are parents who really desire to have what I called a common experience. And so in a sense, from a recruiting standpoint, that was one of the, in a sense, incentives that I sought to bake into my language that you could have a common experience. But recently, I, I don't know if our listeners know this, but you were a, 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 a prominent speaker at the grandparenting summit, the grandparenting ministry. So speak to us about this, this army truly of grandparents that exist. Well, there's a whole demographic in most churches that are completely underutilized in the uh, children, youth, family ministry world, and that's uh, that's grandparents, yes. and um, and there many of them feel like they don't have a good area of service in the church and are waiting for a way to plug in. And what one of the things we found is that when grandparents in our church were given a vision to disciple children um, and a vision for their role with their own grandchildren that translated back into the classroom and they would then say well i'm not only interested in ministering and discipling my own family but i want to do that for others and That's that right. I, can i just tell you a quick story josh sure, about of course. how that impacted our kids um so my mom died uh, 12 years ago, and my wife's mom died about eight years ago, ALS and brain cancer. And so okay. we actually have this void in our home of no biological grandmothers. Uh, but through children's ministry, uh, we, my, my, uh, my kids have been adopted by a grandmother, uh, and she was given a vision. She came to one of the Sunday school classes I taught on the biblical role of a grandparent, and yes. she was given a vision for wow, I want to do that. And she, so she started serving in our Wednesday night programming. Um, and she, which my son happened to be in her class and, uh, and they connected through the years, uh, you know, it was a slow process, but through the years and, uh, and man, they have such a sweet relationship now. This is maybe seven or eight years later. Uh, the, her name is Nancy. We call her Miss Nancy. And she is on speed dial literally she is on speed dial on our landline at home that is and fantastic my my uh, my 12 year old son so we're talking what is this now he's um he's seventh grade and uh, uh the seventh grade boy he, the person he wants to talk to most was is miss nancy every day <clears throat> whatever's good bad ugly happens can i call miss nancy okay. on the phone so, several things about that number one what a blessing for her in the latter years of her life to have somebody 
that's a connection point. There's a lot there. Number two, a, a really powerful thing that your son has someone uh, that he looks to outside of you guys. And again, you're on the board of Awana, and I just had a wonderful interview with Valerie Bell, the CEO, president of Awana, and this idea of another significant mentoring adult. Uh, if you can go back and listen to that particular episode, any of the listeners, absolute mm -hmm. profound results. And so to have her in his life is, is, is gonna have generations of impact. That's right, yeah. And that was and and she has stuck in service for nearly a decade in part because uh, as a grandparent um, and, you know, connect this to parents, too, she was given a vision for uh, a discipleship role with her family and decided, you know what, God's God's calling me to greater than that. What a blessing for her. What a blessing for our kids. And, uh, and that has replicated itself, not just with our children, but with many others. That's awesome. So there is an army, especially this this boomer generation. Of course, you know, my kids sometimes make jokes and they call me a boomer. I'm not the boomer generation, but they make this joke about old people, right? Well, there's this boomer generation and it's a, 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 a like, every, I don't know what the stat is, but every day, you know, thousands and thousands of boomers across the nation are entering into retirement and they're looking for a place of significance and we can provide that. Okay. Number two, we're talking about how you can five places you can find volunteers. So the next one is retaining current leaders. If I can have a triple amen to that one. Yeah. Woo -woo. Woo, yeah. Yeah, so when I started at Grace Church, this was about 10 years ago, our retention rate was about 50%. And that's if you don't tough. know your Yeah, that's bad. Um, if you don't know what your retention rate is for your um, from year to year with your leaders, yeah, that would be a good thing for you to pay some attention to. Agreed. And um, and so we, you know, we had we're a large church, and I needed about 500 individuals in different capacities every week during our during the school year, you know, September through um, May in Minnesota. And uh, five, you know, you, you could do the math and turnover. That means I'm needing to find two to three hundred people every That's fall. Exhausting. July and August, it was like I hated the month of August because it was, you know, it was it was tough. Um, and then. September's dicey and maybe by mid early August or October you're you're hitting your stride but you know those were those were rough those first couple of years and I decided you know we can't keep doing this 50% um, re retention piece is just not sustainable yes so we decided we have to fix this retention problem um, and the way that we did that we decided the key to that was relationships you bet um, people are gonna stick because of relationships with us on staff and other key leaders on our team, as well as with uh, with children. And so we decided, what do we need to do to change to build some relationship here with our uh, with our children and their leadership and with us? So here's what we did: okay. couple, just a few couple changes. Um, we decided that we were going to ensure that our kids uh our leaders moved up with our kids every year and we asked okay. for a three commitment so this was both wednesday night and sunday morning and uh and so i you know most of us or at least the, my early years of ministry there was never an off-ramp for our leaders so you ask them to serve and serving is for life uh, for, that's right you know there's no point to it and so we decided you know we need to give people an end point 
and Agreed. give them an off-ramp, but also help them connect with kids. So that's how Miss Nancy ended up connecting with my son, Asher. She was his second grade teacher um, in Iwana, and she moved up with him for three years, third grade, fourth, uh, second, third, fourth grade. And they just slowly built this relationship because they were they had time together. That's right. And that, that just developed. And so what we ended up seeing now, after a few years of that, our retention rate went from a, about 50% up to the mid nineties uh, um, in both Sunday and Wednesday. It was huge. Uh, it just, it was a game changer because that kind of relationship, like the Miss Nancy and Asher relationship, they got to know each other and um, they knew when their children in their classes were missing because they weren't, you know, they, they, they knew were friends. They, yeah. Um, and then we found out uh, our relationships as leaders with our um, with our volunteers were critical. So we started building opportunities to um, develop relationships. And sometimes that wasn't uh, huge um, in, in, in numbers, um, yes. but it, every single connection point mattered. And so um, this didn't always happen through me, but it happened through retaining our staff. So I had a number of paid staff on our team. And, you know, what we see in our churches is whenever there's the turnover from um, one staff member, uh, you always have the domino effect with other leaders. And so... And I think the reason why, of course, is that some leaders really connect and love a particular staff person. That is a good case of the normals. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so we uh, worked really hard. I, I worked really hard to begin retaining our staff members yes. and our key leaders. And, um, you know, a lot of churches, you know, we have a we have a throwaway culture in a lot of our churches, both with staffing and with our volunteers. Like, all right, you're going to leave. Who cares? Um, yeah. And I wanted to change that. And I decided, you know, I'm going to treat our people like their family. I want to like they're my brothers and like flesh brothers and sisters. And that uh, retention piece with the key leadership then began to trickle down. And so, um, man, as, as longevity started to occur, both in our in our higher levels, it became just a, a core value all For around. Sure. And that game to trip that game to trickle down. Um, so I'd say if you're you know, if, if that's an area that um, has not uh, been, sorry, my phone's I'm trying to shut my phone oh, off. Oh, you're there, good. So get, you're, to, you're totally um, good. Uh, that would be that would be critical, critical. Retain your current leaders. It's easier to retain a current leader than it is to find new ones. You know, I, I have to agree on every front, Josh. And the funny thing is I worked at a church. We I didn't know this about you, but I worked at a church very similar size. I had 450 plus volunteers. That, that we needed to secure and and that July I mean I got a little clay I got a little you know cold sweats when you mentioned July and August because it was brutal and that was my first my first year I was like I can't do this anymore and so just like you we have very similar stories that I I decided that that's that, that my main focus was retention we have we cannot have this kind of turnover and so the the phrase that I had was just you know, continuity of leadership matters continuity of leadership and having kids see the same people but it, you know it does come down to staff and it does come down everything that you said i would affirm and so to be truthful with you 
the structures and the systems that I built in order to survive in children's ministry at that large church, those were the those now became the the things that are offered through the lead volunteers program. So kind of fun that way. Okay. This is an interesting one. Number three, we're talking about five ways or five places that you can find volunteers. And this one here is an interesting one, collaboration with the hospitality team. Give us a little insight into this one. And I, I also agree with this one. So with this one, think of the word on-ramp and systems. Uh, every right. it, it, Everybody, need, you know, we need on-ramps into our ministry. We need on-ramps on off as well. So I talked about an on-ramp off. This is an on-ramp on. And if there are no systematic on-ramps on to serving into your ministry, then it makes your job so much more difficult because you're having to, uh, you know, create that every time on your own. And so this is a systematic kind of on-ramp. Um, so if you're not, if you don't have a presence in some form here, um, then I would encourage this to be an area that you think through, what could that look like for you at your church? Uh, so for us, um, that has meant that we have a like a Grace Church 101 um, kind of class on a Sunday morning. It's it's morphed over the years from sometimes it's just a one hour deal. Other times it's been four parts. Um, but I always make sure can myself or someone from my team be there in person to just at a minimum greet and meet people. Uh, if it's if there's an opportunity to even share something for three to five minutes about our ministry, sure, that would be even better. And and just give people a vision for why we exist and an opportunity to um, to join in with us. And we have seen some awesome people come through that that are still involved today. Sure, uh, that they're often looking for how can I get involved and where can I match my giftedness with this church. And so that's critical. And so really, um, yeah. and I have to say, like we had the like, again, we have very parallel experiences. We, mm -hmm. it was the kind of the newcomers class or, a, you know, the, maybe a better term would be for the listeners, a membership class. And, and it was, you know, we, I, I was present at every one of those. We had round tables and you would kind of switch to different tables, but this was a place, listen, if people are wanting to join your church and make kind of a stronger commitment one of the greatest ways to retain somebody at your church is to get them to serve. Those who serve often will stay. And so the funny thing is people would be visiting our church and they would kind of come into this leadership uh, uh, or excuse me, the, the, as you said, the onboarding thing and maybe a membership class and what a huge opportunity to say, and here are, here's like the, the, the potpourri or the palette of ways that you could get involved and serve. And some of those people already had experiences and had giftings in children's ministry. And so same thing, we, we, we grabbed onto those people and that was an awesome, that was an awesome opportunity. And we found people that we would, I mean, we, I served at a big church. We found people that we would never have probably even run into. So That's big, right. big, big yep. win. That's right. Yep. Yeah. We also uh, put um, either myself or a team member in our kind of the our, our main guest central area, um, as a representative from the children's team, uh, every single week if we can, which you know it's hard to spare people in uh, that are really your some of your key volunteers, just really good, warm and welcoming 
I call but him. The, we, I call him the yes face. Find somebody who yes, has the yes face. That's right. But we, you need if you don't have um, an individual um, kind of representing you and they're on your behalf, kind of um, relying on other people to be that for you, often does not result in great results. Yes. And so we decided that we needed somebody there that we could, um, you know become kind of that on-ramp directly for us uh, rather than always having to go another step. Well, interestingly uh, enough, what you're saying is you're saying, hey, it's not the guest services place to meet people and, yeah. and have their antennas up to see if they would be good in children's ministry or in family ministry. That's not their job. And so you yeah. actually, and I never did this, that's a great idea, is to dedicate somebody to be a greeter or, or present in that kind of arena uh, to, to answer and steer questions. That's a huge one. Okay, next one. A uh, little tongue-in-cheek here, but we're talking about five way, five places to find volunteers in, in uh, stocking the hallways is always Sometimes a good Sometimes it feels like that, doesn't it? Yeah, a little yeah. tongue-in-cheek. How, how many times have you had somebody see you coming and turn the other way and run? I've actually yeah. had that happen, 100%. But, but there is some truth to... Okay, I would say on one, let's take away the schnarky stocking term, uh, but really it's being present, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, we had a we have a target list that we literally write down people's names uh, to kind of talk about as a team. Who do you think could uh, potentially be a good uh, good leader in this ministry, good good volunteer? And um, and we would put those names in essentially in our back pocket, so we're all you know we're all on the same page about that, I and like then. That. Um, and then we would literally then, um, we, you know, we're happy to give phone calls and sometimes that's what is needed. Um, but it's even better to have a face-to-face -face conversation. And so of course, when that happens is, um, what are the, you know, the Sunday morning usually. And so we would, uh, when it was myself or anybody else that would, uh, run into them, we had it in the back of our head. This person would be, we'd love to invite them and, the. Uh, you know, the way that that conversation then is approached uh, for us is pretty critical. And, you know, it's not, hey, we have this need. Would you come fill this, plug sure. this hole? Uh, we tried to speak to their giftingness and give them a vision for how we think God could utilize them and that they were, um, you know, we think we've, we've seen you in action. We've seen you interacting and we think this would be a great fit. Would you uh, would you consider? And one of the, the things that we did was to first always give a small ask. Um, so an, hey, entry, you, an entry, an yeah. entry ask. Could you fill for, could you do this for a month? Could you do this for three months? And then it's could we a, circle back? It's a taste and see, not, yep. uh, you know, handcuff you to the rowing crew, <laughs> right? It's, it's yeah. small, like, listen, those who are faithful in little will be faithful in much. That's one thing, but also it's giving them an opportunity to experience it. Not, you know, one of our main things, uh, Josh, was to make sure that their experience was in keeping with how we were going to support them if they made a larger commitment. In other words, if you were a part of our Sunday school crew, you know, we didn't, we didn't expect you to go find 50 jujubes and, you know, 18 red pipe cleaners. We would provide those things for you if that was what was necessary that day. So they got to experience the, the administrative support that we provided them. And so they're like, oh, wow, this isn't as hard as I maybe envisioned. 
And so that's a piece, right, is getting somebody stalking the halls. I get that. It's kind of funny. But you're saying have a list in your mind of who you might. So there was some preparation with your team. Hey, this person would be great. Let's be, in a sense, on the lookout or on the prowl for them. And when you saw them, you were inviting them through and in their area of gifting. And, you know, we've seen you, you're a known quantity, you would be fantastic. Uh, And then giving them a small piece, not the huge, hey, we're asking for a 40-week commitment. Wow, that's a little much on a first date, you know what I mean? Yep, yep, that's great. Well, this is fantastic, really good stuff here. I'm just, I'm kind of taken aback at how similar, not just our first names are, but our our leadership experiences and how you and I actually sought to solve problems almost in the same way. So maybe there is a, there are some best practices, right? And uh, this is really good stuff. Okay. So calling former volunteers, the fifth one, five ways that places that you could find volunteers calling former volunteers. And I had an interesting way that I did this share with us what you did. Yeah. So we, uh, you know, we all uh, were, impacted through COVID and many, uh, we included, you know, we had shut down for a season and it was really hard to get that ship moving again. You betcha. Uh, yeah. So, you know, obviously we put out the invitation, uh, you know, got, it got main stage, uh, for us, which is pretty rare in a large church. It you is know, very it was at the point that, you know, we had such a huge, uh, need for momentum to start back up. Um, and we did that, you know, one, once one service at a time we started to offer a second hour our most um you know our busiest hour first we did that for about a year before we added back our second one so it was manageable for a for a a volunteer side for us but um you know a lot of people just got out of the habit and needed that personal invitation back um some need the uh the we'll call it a little kick in the pants some need the the uh you know, the accountability and, uh, and that personal call, that personal invitation, it makes a difference for, it people. really does. So if we just put out the generic, you know, the generic offer, some will say yes and come, but most need that, you know, that one-on-one touch and it takes time. Um, so I would just encourage, um, it's worth, it's worth, uh, setting out some time, you know, whether it's a half an hour, an hour throughout the week to, uh, Call a couple people throughout throughout the invitations, and um, you know we'll we'll see a percentage of those come back. And that you will, be huge deal. you will. And, and now before COVID, uh, you know we actually did a lot of the nitty gritty, not as fun work. And what we did was we went back into the catacombs and into the archives, and we found who like we literally made. Sometime I'll share this. We made a graph of 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 increasing levels of involvement. We had not involved, somewhat involved, or peripherally involved, somewhat involved, and it went all the way up to very involved, right? But there were times where people would move through and then find themselves on the backside of not involved. And there were reasons for that. So we would write in, it's not just a data point involved, not involved. There was anecdotal evidence. Hey, they had a baby and they needed to take some time off. They had this going on in their lives. But then after a while, we would look back at that list and say, you know, maybe has that season ended? Has that hard season ended in their life? And would this be an opportunity to to 
re-engage and see if they would want to participate again. And so the funny thing is, is that if, if you forget about them, then how is it that they're going to be invited back in? And so we sought to refresh our minds of who was formerly a really, really, really good volunteer. And, and we sought to, to circle back around. Hey, great stuff, Josh. I like, uh, again, like we, we have done a lot of the same things and we served at similar sized churches as well. Well, Hey, what I want to do right now is just kind of flip this a little bit. And thank you very much for being with us today, but you did write a brand new book. It is a good looking book. I got my hands on it. And I want you to share with us just a little bit about your book. Can you, can you share 50 things? Help us out. Yeah. So one of the things I quickly learned as a pastor was that um, a lot of parents had the greatest intentions, the strongest desires to see their kids grow up to know, love and serve Jesus, um, but really did not have any kind of long term plan uh, or, or day to day basic intentional things that they, they often struggled with. Um, so we created this uh, this resource here to essentially provide a guide for parents that they can customize to say, what is what is it that my child needs, whatever age and stage that we can uh, begin to work on this one area for this next like six months or 12 months and putting that in front of parents and helping them just kind of see the big picture and then translate that down into the day to day uh, has become really helpful for a lot of parents. So. Um, so I like to say that we're we're adding the intentional in front of Christian parenting. So this is right. this is going from Christian parenting to intentional Christian parenting with the goal of um, of helping our kids grow up to maturity in Christ. And, and it's, uh, so it's uh, been a really helpful piece. And it's 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 a packed book. And it's what's so cool about it is. Uh, it's a beautiful looking book I and mean, you put it in your hand. It's, it's a keeper of a book. It's not a, I mean, it's a, you've really, it's a beautiful book. And so you've, you guys have done a fantastic job. So you and your wife wrote this together. Did you not? We call it our COVID baby because <laughs> we were, ah. we had a little time at home, you know, and, uh, everything was shut down. So uh, we decided uh, let's, uh, we talked about it for quite a while. Let's let's do this now. We've got some time. And I would imagine that some of those principles are the things that you and your wife have successfully integrated into your very own family. I mean, I would imagine this is almost a glimpse into the intentionality of your very own world. Would you agree? Yeah, this really looks at how do we help our kids from a holistic viewpoint in the sense of, you know, we want them all to have uh, character, Christian character. We want them to, the, you know, the spiritual habits and sure. kinds of things are pretty common that we talk about. But um, and there, there are those in the book because they're critical areas. But what about all the other areas of life that we often don't think about? Uh, you know, the life skills, the um, money management, the home management, uh, those kinds of things that are pretty critical. The practical um, and tactical things about yeah. raising yeah, yeah. a family. Yeah, let me so let me give you I'll give you a 60 second um, kind of genesis of the this. So when I was 17 years old, my parents um, invited me to go to breakfast with them. I'm the oldest of four. And uh, so it was in between my junior and senior year of high school, nine months. They said, Josh, 
Uh, you've got nine months before you graduate, and we want to make sure we put the finishing touches on our parenting wow. before you leave. Very intentional. So they slid, a, they slid a piece of paper across the table to me. I'd never seen it, and it uh, it literally was kind of my childhood and teen years on that piece of paper. And it uh, had dates and check marks that they had been working on with me as a child. And uh, they just said, is there anything on here that you don't think we've accomplished? And, uh, you know, it was uh, all the stuff we'd, uh, there was manners and how to look somebody in the eye and shake a hand and hospitality. And I remember looking on there and seeing um, small engine repair and thinking, ah, that's not me. Uh, that So they crossed it off, um, you know, but but you know, what a great thing so in a sense they ha they had their list secretly that they had been building and yeah. building into you and then they just revealed they said hey like i'm going to let the cat out of the bag like we've been doing this for you and you've never even known here's this kind of tattered piece of paper with check marks in different colors we accomplished this one what an what an amazing thing and so in yeah. a sense, you kind of, you kind of captured that in your book, kind of cool thing. Book form, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's very specific biblical principles that we are given to accomplish as parents that are non-negotiables. They're in there, but a lot of stuff's preference based too, where it's like, you know, I think it's, learn how to do your laundry. Right. Yeah. So there's some of that in there as well. That's that good. helps parents kind of identify you know, both of those. What are the biblical principles we need to make sure we get right? What are the other areas that are just critical to being a mature adult to launch yeah. well and helps parents really hit both of those? Well, what would be fun is if we were to have you back and to maybe talk to you at a, at a, a deeper level about some of the stuff in the books. I think yeah. a lot of people would really appreciate this. Well, Josh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on with us today. Yeah, it's been great. Thank you, Josh. Absolutely. Well, gang, this has been another quick episode of lead the lead volunteers podcast as well as lead ministry live super grateful that you're here and so much thanks to josh for being with us and we'll maybe see to have him back on the podcast gang this has been fun we'll catch you on the next one